Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Welcome back to PR360. My guest today is Lauren Passell, the founder of Tink Media, a podcast growth and ideas company that specializes in podcast PR, creative partnerships, in-app placement, and out-of-the-box strategies to help shows find their perfect audience. She's also the curator of Podcast the Newsletter and Podcast Ma- Marketing Magic and writes about podcasts for Lifehacker. Her list of 100 podcast marketing tips was called, quote, gold by Snap Judgment host Glenn Washington. Uh, and Lauren has spoken about podcast marketing at conferences and classrooms all over the world, from podcast movement to South by Southwest to Harvard. So welcome to PR360, Lauren. Thank you for having me. So uh, first of all, uh, let everybody know, uh, I invited Lauren on the show today because we have worked together in the past, and I always thought uh, Lauren was, quote, a a good egg, good vibes, wonderful to work with. So uh, I'm happy that we can introduce her to some people through this show. Uh, And there's an exciting development you have going on at Tink Media. Uh, Previously, you had a... um, podcast therapy session that people would get with uh, Lauren, and now you're expanding it. So what was the original podcast therapy like, and how have you expanded it? Thank you for asking. I'm so excited. Yeah, we've been doing podcast therapy for a while. I think it's the most popular thing we do. It's the most fun we have. And I think it's the highest ROI for people that want to get the most out of an hour. And, you know, it's me and Ariel or someone else from my Tink team. And we sit down with people. Sometimes they come with very specific questions. Uh, Sometimes they want an audit of their show. Sometimes they want an audit of their marketing tactics. Sometimes their specific questions are like, how do I spend money? How do I, you know, uh, build a deck if I want to pitch this around? You know, all those sorts of things. We've helped people develop podcasts in podcast therapy. They come back Mm -hmm. over and over. Um, We started doing this thing called speed pitching, which is a tech on thing we do to podcast therapy where we'll have a podcast therapy session with you and then you go away and we spend an hour, everyone on the call, mad pitching you to everyone in our Rolodex, trying to get you on as many shows as possible. That's been really popular. But, um, you know, we've always wanted to open it up to more people. Um, so, and you know, cause there's a, it's a, it's a little more expensive than some people are able to spend. Um, I still think it's a really great uh, value, but we have, uh, we thought, what if we just let more people in and we, saw started to think about a a lot of benefits that come with that because if we started letting other people in we're big believers of making podcast friends and Mm -hmm. um so connecting podcasters i love connecting podcasters to each other i think they can come up with great marketing ideas together and also we could get really genre specific so now podcast we have this thing called podcast group therapy where once a month we're gonna have a podcast group therapy and you can sign up 
And um, there will be the first one is about how to make podcast friends. You know, there's going to be ones on audio drama, podcasts for kids, all sorts of really specific things. So you can we'll have marketing sessions just for those genres and get people like minded people together to start working together right on on the group therapy session and really speak directly to their needs. I'm so excited. It's so much fun. I'm also really excited because, you know, Tink is 11 people and they all have yeah. things that they're very good at. And so I, it's also an opportunity for them to shine and, and really, you know, really th- they can take over podcast therapy too and, and talk about all the things that they've learned, what works while marketing shows at Tink. Wow. So it kind of reminds me of, I used to be in a writer's group and all the writers would sit and we'd bring our work and we'd pass it around and everybody would read it and then we'd critique, you know, and then hopefully in positive ways and then kind of point people in new directions or tell them what they're doing well. Is that kind of one way, one thing I get out of it if I brought PR360 here? Um, first, you go, well, Todd, I'm hearing far too many ums whenever you speak. Uh, you know, you, you guys going to take the show apart or what's what kind of critiques are we going to get? I don't know if it's so much critiques like that, although if people want to hear those critiques, we're always, you know, we'll always give our opinion on the show. Um, I think of it more as, you know, what can PR360 do specifically based on the content to make it grow? Because every show has different tactics, every kind of show different things will work. So how can PR 360, you know, based on what you're doing, what will work and what won't work and also Mm -hmm. introducing you to other shows so that you can work together. You can interview each other. You can do cross promotions, all those sorts of things. So not so much critiquing the content unless they want that, unless you'd want that, but um, really, really being a scalpel and getting specific tips for you based on your show. And then having like right off the bat meeting people that are like-minded because we really believe in this, uh, you know, borrowing from other audiences. That's what works. Mm-hmm. So you're being in a room with people that have similar audiences to you and figuring out ways to work together creatively. That's great. Uh, that brings me to, I think one of the greatest kind of takeaways I had before when we worked together with the uh, Upworthy podcast is you explained that kind of social media is only going to do so much work for you when you're promoting a show, when you're promoting a podcast. Uh, the best way, and this is, it, it seems glaringly obvious, but it was not until we talked to you, that was you put your show in front of podcast listeners and find like-minded shows and then swap with each other. So uh, can you explain a bit about the benefits of promo swapping? Yeah. And to speak about something you were talking about earlier, you know, it's really hard to convert a non-listener to a listener. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to can, if someone that's never listened to a podcast, you know, they don't have it in their routine. They don't, sometimes they don't have an app that they like. Sometimes people don't even know how to download a podcast. I'm in a bubble. I always think everyone does, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, it's much easier to go after the people that are already listening to podcasts. So that's why, you know, pitching yourself to a listening app like Apple Podcasts, you know, they take pitches for who they're going to feature. You know, that's mm. great because everyone that sees it in the listening app is in listening mode and is a podcast listener. And that's why promo swaps work and working with other podcasts work because they're going to hear you on a podcast. They're already podcast listeners. So it's kind of like just going after the low hanging fruit of skipping the step of having to 
explain what a podcast is and where to find it and how to listen to it and listen to it while you're shopping or whatever. It's just getting to the people where they already are. And this borrowing audience thing, you know, like we really believe that finding the perfect audience, we spend a lot of time searching for the perfect audience because we think mm. once you find that perfect audience, one thing that does work is borrowing from that audience and figuring out ways to get in front of that audience. And, you know, you mentioned social media. That's a huge reason. There's a lot of reasons social media isn't the best way to grow a show. Um, but one of them is just is a lot of the people you're going to hit are not podcast listeners. Mm. Yeah, that was one takeaway when I was doing a, hosting a weekly show for Upworthy. And, you know, Upworthy, very popular trending news site, huge social media presence with like 15 million followers. And the funny thing was you'd think, oh, well, I'll just put out a tweet and then the listeners will come pouring in. It was like, that actually wasn't the way it worked at all. You know, um, yeah. it just it just didn't bring people in. And then we started working with you and doing getting on like minded shows. And then, you know, listeners started coming in. So it was uh, it was an eye opening experience. But uh, and it made me think, gee, with PR 360, I guess we got to make some podcast friends with people in the PR world and uh, share audience a bit. Yeah, you're smart uh, because, um, you know, my audience, they're all podcast listeners, and I'm going to share this episode. And another tip is, you know, I have a podcast with my company called Feed the Q. And here's a tip. You should ask me after it's out if I would share the episode on my feed. And I think podcasters can do that all the time. Anytime you have a, a guest that has a podcast, afterwards, go to them and say, do you mind putting this on your feed? And you know, especially like during the holidays, you know, it's like rerun, 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 you know, going to them during a holiday and saying, are you taking a week off for New Year's or something like that? Because instead of playing a rerun, you could play this episode where, you know, your audience is used to hearing you interview people. But if you play this episode, you're going to get your audience is going to get to hear you in a whole new light. Right. No, that that's great. Uh, let's move over a little bit to current trends in podcasting. And I know all the rage, even to the point where it's become like a joke, has been like true crime for quite some time. And uh, I feel like the podcast world is flooded with true crime. Like we're running out of crime to do podcasts on. Like we need more crime out there so people can make podcasts. Yeah. About it. <laughs> uh, so what are some other genres that uh, are coming up the charts and becoming the new true crime? Or is true crime still king? I think true crime is still king. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think, and the other thing about true crime listeners is they will listen to a zillion true crime shows. They mm -hmm. do not seem to tire of it. And also there's just so many kind of like niches within true crime. I'm starting to notice more non-murder true crime. So like mm. business true crime or um, there's a podcast called Missing Pages, which is about crime in the literary world. Oh. And, you know, so I feel like that might be something that's cropping up a little bit where people are like, I'm so tired of murder, but I still like the idea of, you know, people behaving badly. And I think that's why scam podcasts are so big, cult podcasts, you know, that sort mm. of stuff. People really like to listen to that stuff. But I don't think it's going away. Okay. I have dipped my, my toe into the world of cult podcasts. And I uh, was it a little bit culty with mm -hmm. uh, the Nexium 
people. Yes. I love the, the Nexium show on there, and uh, I think the I forget her name, but uh, who was one of the Nexium cult members and her husband? They do a really good show, and they're really good personalities too. You know, they're being able to host a podcast is not a natural skill, and to have been a cult member and to be good at hosting a podcast, well, you just you know you're a a, a unicorn of a human being. What are the um, chances? <laughs> I know, right? Let's see here. You know, it's something funny I learned. You know, there's kind of a way that people talk on true crime podcasts. It's almost like a a cliche or whatever, the type of way they speak and everything, you know. On Only Murders in the Building, they kind of make fun of it or whatever. But I noticed I recently, plug, uh, did a show called LA Zone Marineland, which is about the history of like a... 10, it's like a 10-hour documentary on Marineland, which was in Los Angeles. And uh, I before, I'd done many podcasts, you know, in, uh, doing kind of comedy stuff or the Upworthy News Show, which is kind of a lighthearted, fun, conversational show like this. So I thought I could just talk that way when doing a documentary. And I did like the first episode, and I listened back to it, and I was like, this is so annoying. I am listening to my voice, and I absolutely hate it because I'm talking like... Like I, like I would now, but for 45 minutes. And then I realized that you have to do the... Now back to LA's own Marineland on the next episode. And I had to talk in a, like kind of a, a bedtime voice. And I was like, oh, that's much more pleasing than me emoting on every line like I normally would as in a normal conversation. So I understood the true crime voice is what I'm saying. Oh, thank you for telling me about that show. And also it's making me think, yeah, there's definitely like true crime voices. Like... You know, Phoebe Judge does um, criminal and she has this kind of like relaxing, like very distinctive voice. And then, of course, there's Keith Morrison from Dateline, who he has the iconic true crime voice. And now he started to read like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and like he'll read (laughs) other things and I'll listen to him read anything. Like he's doing Christmas series and he did um, Sleepy Hollow for Halloween. So I love a, I love a man that leans into his, leans into his strengths. And so there is definitely that, that voice that fits very well with, but, but I mean, as Keith proves, you can also use that voice for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Right. Uh, with Keith Morrison was funny because he was just a news anchor for like local LA news for years and didn't really have that unique kind of, I don't, well, I don't want to say creepy to cheapen it, but creepy voice. And But it was when he did Dateline is when he started doing a little more dramatic of a read. And it was like, whoa, Keith Morrison's got some... Uh, some soul in him, or there's something yeah. deeper going on with Keith Morris than I remember him talking about, you know, traffic on the 405. I didn't um, know there was a pre-date. I have to look this up because I didn't know he had a different voice. Yeah, he was just a straight up normal newscaster. And he didn't read it like, and then <laughs> on the 405. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's would never be, the that, same. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the LA County sheriffs are giving out a toy drive. You know, you can't you can't bring no. that energy to it. No. Um, but I do like it's um there's the Karina Longworth voice. Like she mm-hmm. does You Must Remember This, a show I absolutely one of my favorite podcasts about old timey Hollywood. And she has a perfect voice that it suits old timey stuff 
without being old timey. If you get what I mean, I don't know. That's what she she creates an atmosphere with her voice, and she also really hits her T's really hard, which is always it's a signature thing of her voice, and it makes me nuts. But I kind of love her for it. I don't know what it is. Oh my god, yeah my my dad loves that show, and every time he listens out loud, he says, "Join us, won't you?" Because that's her yes. line, and it's really good for podcasters to have that line like that. Join us then, won't you? Yeah, I yeah. It's actually that line. Whenever I hear it, I get like I almost like well up before the show yeah. starts, and she says that. That's a amazing thing that she could do with her voice. I need that on PR three sixty. I don't. I don't. I need a thing. You know, yeah, in the beginning, I just I just go. Our guest on today's show. I need a you know. Join us, won't you? Maybe you yeah. should just do that. I mean, it works for her. Try it. Maybe you could try a different one out every time. You could ask your guests to recommend something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I need a hook, you know? Something that people scream at me on the streets while I walk down this, you know. Yeah. Are, it's the PR360 guy, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yell, yell his, his catchphrase. That's got to be the worst thing ever if you're someone who's known for having a catchphrase that people just every day are yelling it at you, you know? And they think they're so cute for doing it because they think they're the only one that has ever done that. Yeah, yeah. And they get yeah, it five times annoying. a day. Yeah, it was like the most embarrassing video I ever watched. It was like Noel Gallagher from Oasis, like on vacation, having drinks, and he's just like you know on a patio having brunch, and the entire staff, wait staff, started singing Wonderwall to him, and Ooh. it was like you could tell just see somebody completely implode of oh, no. pure embarrassment. Like no, please, like no, don't, they don't thought he wanted that. Oh, that is oh. No. Uh, no. So here's another question I always ask everybody in the world of podcasting, and they always give me the same answer. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try it out again and see if I can get something controversial. Is are there too many podcasts? Okay, obviously no. But if you want me to be controversial, I'll say why people think that. I think there's too many podcasts where people aren't thinking of their audience. You know, like. I mean, you know, you have to think about an audience before you you make a podcast. So I think mm -hmm. that there's, um, you can't just make a podcast because you want to make a podcast. You really have to think about who's out there. But I will say what everyone else, because I think the problem isn't always discovery. It's that it's it's a marketing problem. It's It's not mm -hmm. so much the listener's problem. It's that, you know, they're not thinking about who their audience is and who to reach them. But I still believe just that there's like what everyone says, there's not too many books, you know, like that's the answer I'm sure you hear all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I just think it's more of a work working, you know, most people don't think a bunch about marketing or PR when they're thinking about their podcasts. I think if they worked a little bit harder, they would reach the, the specific audiences and it wouldn't be so much of a problem. Yeah. Was it you that said 50% of your work should be in the marketing phase of making a podcast? Like 50% production of the show and then 50% getting it out there? Was that was that your number that I remember? That was me and no one wants to hear that. But I really believe that. You know, you spend so much time working so hard, but nobody, you know, you need people to hear it. And I think people used to think that you made a podcast and Apple podcast just somehow like featured it somewhere and like someone would find it, but that's just not true. You could spend a lot of time making a podcast and if you didn't do any marketing, there's a chance no one will find it. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it was like when I did the LA Zone Marineland thing, I sat and I put in hours and hours and hours of work. I interviewed 21 people. I did tons of research. The, th the thing took me over, well over a year, year and a half to produce every episode, to do the whole thing. And then when it came out, I'm like, oh, geez, I got to market this. I have no idea how I'm going to market a defunct theme park that closed 35 <laughs> years ago in the greater LA area. And I was reaching out. I reached out to the theme park, the ride, the big theme park podcast, and they didn't get back to me. Um, but yeah, so I was like, geez, I made this thing, and I was just sitting there. And I know, I know nobody's Googling Marineland podcast. So the, the good thing was, I found, I marketed it to some local newspapers that I'd found had done stories about it. And then I, the weird thing is marketing a podcast to the newspaper. But if you're thinking about it, that's something that, Older people would be familiar with the park, who are more likely to be newspaper readers. And I got into the local LA area, about four different newspapers, and got on the front page. And then suddenly the listeners started trickling in, because it was kind of in front of, I guess, people would be more likely to listen to it than, I don't know. I don't know how you find an audience for such a thing, but I just wanted to make it. I just It just had to exist, and I'd figure maybe... Five people would listen to it and enjoy it. But actually now it's developed a decent audience. So that was cool. Well, I love that you did that. And also, I don't think people rely enough on local places to pitch their podcasts to. But also, I mean, you should you should pitch me because I have a podcast newsletter and I write about podcasts. So oh. you should email me about it and I'll write about it. And that's one of the best things you can do for pitching a podcast. There's a lot of podcast newsletters out there. Um, I actually don't think enough people are writing about podcasts. That's why I write for Lifehacker. I write, you know, I, I do a lot of writing because I don't think enough people are writing about podcasts. But the thing is, if you're going to, you know, if you have a, if you're reading a podcast newsletter, you're looking for new things to listen to. So it's so niche that it really, really works to get featured in a podcast newsletter. And there's a bunch if you just Google podcast newsletters, but I have mm. one. You should pitch me. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, Lauren, real quick, uh, tell people how to sign up for your podcast newsletter. Oh, it's called Podcast the Newsletter. And actually, I stole it from, well, I didn't steal it, but I was inspired by Podcast the Ride, which is the podcast you were just talking about. Um, and if you go to podcastthenewsletter.substack.com, you can sign up. Okay, right on. So one, one more time again, podcastthenewsletter.substack.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am taking pictures. Thank oh. you. So that that's how I knew that you had expanded your yes. uh, podcast therapy. Thank so, you for guess, being a subscriber. <laughs> it means a lot you. to me. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank Lauren for coming on the show today. Um, we could have gone a lot longer, I know, but we have a certain time frame we got to keep with the show. And I definitely would like to bug you to come back on the show sometime in the future. Uh, but if you could just let our audience know... How to find you? Uh, what's the call to action today? Besides, of course, subscribing to podcast the newsletter. Well, we also have a podcast marketing newsletter, uh, podcast marketing magic, which I promise we make it as fun as possible. This week we are uh, we're writing about how what you can learn about podcast marketing from Christmas movies. So it's huh? fun, but there's tons of tips, tons and tons and tons of tips. But if you can find everything at tinkmedia.co, uh, that's, you know, all the newsletters we do, tons of resources and how to reach me. And I'm Lauren Passell 
at Lauren Purcell on Twitter. That's, I'm, I'm, you know, Twitter is terrible now, but mm. that is one way to find me. <laughs> and last thing, when you go to your website, you'll find the 100 podcast marketing tips, which there's a lot of great stuff in there. I feel like you're almost giving away the farm with it because I don't know how there could be more that you could share with people than that. Well, I I love sharing this stuff with people. That's why I'm glad you invited me. And I will say there's another thing on the website. We have we built a database for partnerships. So mm. if you have a podcast, you can put your podcast in the database and there's just a few things about like tags and numbers and um you can search the database for podcasts to work with for cross promotion, you know, recommending each other, doing guest swaps and that kind of thing. And I hear from people all the time that they've used it successfully. And then we use it on our clients all the time, too. So mm. I think it's a great resource. It's free. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That's Lauren Passell. And thank you for coming on PR360. And hopefully uh, we'll have you come back down the line. Thank you. Have me back anytime and send me information about your new podcast. I shall. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.